Can you hear me right now? This is unbelievable. You can't hear me right now? Can you, can you hear me when I try to cut you off? This is unbelievable. I, I can't deal with this, this format. I have no ability to cut you off. It's like the most torturous situation for me in life. Can you hear me? It's unbelievable. Um, so so the, the basically, you're basically saying you've got amazing headphones for 30 bucks. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday morning. This is the LBP, the podcast where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom and opportunity in your life. And speaking of my life, I am joined by my captain, my co-host, a man who recently got a sideline look for telling his new group of friends that he was getting heavier into the lifestyle. You know, I don't, sir. Yeah, good. You know, I like to still get down to business, though. Speaking of business, we got some news, man. Uh, Some people have been confused. A lot of new listeners lately. It's balling. People have been confused about the difference between Tropical MBA and Lifestyle Business Podcast. So I thought I'd take a quick minute to explain it. Yeah, to be fair, I was confused until about last month. (laughs) You know, the basic idea, Ian, I'll I'll tell you this. Um, And part of the reason we bring it up is it's a lesson for new marketers coming up. Um, You know, back in the day when we got started, Ian, it was actually the lifestyle dash business dash podcast just to give you an idea of sort of the background when we were getting started <laughs> that was the thing to do back then it was like uh there's like pinstripes on your mustang you know <laughs> you know there, there's so much um talk about the rise of content marketing and and a part of the reason that people resist content marketing and magnetic marketing and stuff is it's very expensive and uh, you know the long and short of it ian is i'm about the least amount of domains you can possibly have the better and if we could do it all over again, our entire brand would be behind Tropical MBA. But at the time, you know, we were new and we just didn't understand how things were going to play out. And, you know, we had a podcast, so we thought that that should go under its own domain. And then we had a blog and we thought that that should go under its own domain. We would just put it all into one bin if we could do it again. So um, I think it's a little bit late in the game for us to switch. So the way that it works out uh, in practice for us is that the Lifestyle Business Podcast is uh, Dan and Ian, you know, we're business partners. We come on once a week to share business information with you guys. Everything else is at Tropical MBA in terms of content. So that might be one or two podcasts a week. Generally, it's one on Friday afternoons. And then it's a couple blog posts as well. I understand why this gets uh, why this gets confusing for people. It's like when, when you're designing this stuff like we did back then, we were really designing it in a vacuum. And then now we're getting people that have said like, hey, guys, I've been following you. Um, or I've been following one aspect of your business for the last couple of months. And then I just realized that there's this whole other aspect, like what's going on in Tropical MBA. And uh, I think when we designed it, we thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be really cohesive. You know, Every, this is going to make sense to everybody. But it's always the case in, uh, in, in whatever you do that it doesn't really make sense to a lot of people, I've found. Yeah, it's a good message for marketing is you want to simplify your messaging, you know, the bigger you get, especially the more simple it is for people to get involved. And so if you're thinking of starting a brand, you know, you don't need five different domains to cover five different marketplaces. It's just too much of a pain to run multiple websites. So I wish that it was all under one, but it's not, you know, historical accident. If you're going to do something similar, please consider dumping everything, 
you know, under one. And that's what uh, Dan Norris, you saw, he recently made that switch where, you know, he put his podcast under his main brand informally. And that makes so much sense rather than having 10 different places to find Dan Norris. I mean, we're just not that big of a deal yet that, it, that it's really worth having multiple domains. When do you get a new domain? I think when you have a cohesive, solid, separate product. So in our case, that's the dynamite circle. Like that is a product. That's something very different than our marketing side of our business, which is, you know, our community oriented. We're finding people. I think the dynamite circle would be much different if it was like members dot lifestyle business podcast. I mean, that's, that's not something that you can be a part of. And that the dynamite circle is something bigger than just this podcast. So I think that that's the moment when you decide to get something else. And also, by the way, like it doesn't, from a marketing perspective, we don't need to market the dynamite circle at dynamitecircle.com. That's very important. Like you don't want to split up your marketing efforts because it gets confusing. Yeah, and it gets really labor intensive. It's also worth noting uh, while we're talking about Dan Norris that uh, he changed the name of his business. It used to be Web Control Room. He got on the phone with uh, J. Cal. I actually saw that episode. It was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, he followed J. Cal's advice and he basically said, uh, it doesn't really matter at the stage of the game you're at. You can pull it off. So he, uh, he's got what I think is a much cooler domain now, which is inform.ly, informally. Yeah, check it out. Uh, beautiful stuff. I can't wait to, for the new product to roll out. Actually, it's going to be, the way I understand it, it's going to be he's going to send us an email or users an email like every week or something or whenever you want that tells you what's going on in your business. And uh, I've been logging on to the dashboard quite often, but uh, I'm more excited about getting the email actually. So I'm pumped about that product. Um, one, final th one final thing I want to mention um, while we're talking about what we do is a lot of people, uh, especially when we had like the BKK event and stuff, people felt like, oh man, I had no idea what was going on. We generally don't put most of our news stuff on the podcast because we focus on creating a show. So we don't want to be doing all kinds of news stuff on the show. If you want news and events and products and all that stuff, you got to get on the mailing list. That's the place where you won't miss anything if you're on the mailing list. So that's, you know, just a word about that. We will not necessarily mention everything that's happening on the show. Correct. And if you really want to know the inside scoop, and this is obviously a pitch, you're going to get in the dynamite circle because that's where we talk about the nitty gritty. Yeah, the nitty gritty. And first, I mean, the, the real thing we talk about in there is everybody gets first dibs. So in the case of our Bangkok meetup, there wasn't available to the broader audience because it just sold out within the dynamite circle. So I think that that's, uh, that's the important thing. The other thing is like timeliness, you know, the podcast, um, it's this weird disconnect where sometimes we record it a week in advance. Most of the time it is the day before because <laughs> woo, just in, just in time podcast. But, um, you know, the cool thing about a mailing list is that like the moment things happen, you can send out an email and most people are probably all over their emails. We're going to talk a little bit about email management at the end of the show, but in the meats and potatoes, without further ado, let's get to it, Ian. What do you think? Today we are going to do the business idea smackdown and my challenger will be Ian Benjamin's by birth showing. Yeah. Are you ready, sir? for the business smackdown. So here's how this is gonna work. This is inspired by an episode I heard from the AdSense Flippers. And uh, they did this awesome show where they had a moderator, their intern, uh, John DeVries, uh, prompted um, Joe and Justin with business ideas and challenged them to come up with solutions to common business problems on the spot. I loved it. So I, I wrote email to our, our new intern, Taylor, and asked him, what would be four premises that you could hook Ian and I up with that you would want to hear the answers to? And here they are. So we're going to do four rounds, Ian. And I guess the listeners can vote at the end who's the winner. And maybe we'll bring on a, another challenger 
uh, uh, depending on who is the winner between the two of us. You two ready? things. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather today, so I'm wearing a sweatsuit, and that's no coincidence. I knew that we were having this boxing match, so I put it on. But uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, I don't think boxing matches or, or competitions like this generally go four rounds because then there could be a tie. So uh, we're very unorthodox like that. Yes, that's, uh, that's something I didn't think about until now. <laughs> All right, round number one. <laughs> All right, Taylor asks, give yourselves the exact same situation you had when you first started your business in terms of cash and situation, but you have all that 2020 hindsight now. Looking back at what you guys have already done, what would you do differently? All right, sir, you go first. So I think um, I get this question a lot and I talk about this a lot and it's it's really hard to look back, of course, and say, well, what would you have done differently? But I think one of the biggest things that I would have done differently was I would have chosen bigger marketplaces for us to play in and to grow into. So when we first started, we never really planned on success, and that's uh, something that we've talked about before, is like planning on success on day 1,000. Uh, we weren't really sure what was going to work out. So, of course, we were doing the traditional thing where we're throwing a bunch of spaghetti on the wall and seeing if it stuck. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, a bunch of small things stuck. And so that was good in that it gave us confidence to move forward. Uh, but it was bad in that they weren't really big enough markets for us to be interested in three years down the road. So I think for me, uh, if I could look back and say, Ian, circa 2007, what would you do different? The biggest thing for me would be to pick markets that are big enough to keep my interest five years down the road because uh, that's where we're at right now. We've been plugging away for five years and we're still in some of those smaller markets and I wish they were bigger. Okay, so uh, I want to give a caveat because this might be confusing to some listeners is that there's a big bit of a difference between a niche or an angle and a marketplace. So like within your overall marketplace, you have uh, an angle to get in, but not necessarily... Um, so you know what I'm saying? Like y you want to have a small niche. Yeah, you, you want to have a super small niche because that's what we advocate all the time. But you want that niche to be in a broader overall marketplace that's larger. Exactly. Right, cool. So pick a, pick a small niche, pick a large marketplace. All right. This is like a warm-up round. You know, this is like um, one of those Muay Thai rounds where basically the first round we're just feeling each other out. We're not actually fighting with each other yet. We're being encouraging. Seeing, I'm seeing where your gas is at. Like, you know, how much training has this guy done? I'm eyeing Little rabbit a little punches and then moving backwards. <laughs> All right. So here's what I would do differently, Taylor, is that um, I would have a clearer product rubric. Um, you know, at the beginning, like Ian said, we were just kind of doing anything and seeing what's happened rather than what I wish I would have done is had a little bit more intent and design behind what I knew I was good at and what I knew we could do. Um, so I'll give you an example right now with, um, the, the information business that we're building. Our product rubric is so solid. Like I say no to way more stuff than I say yes, because I know what we want in terms of, uh, products and I know what we can be good at in terms of delivery. And so that's things like uh, back in the good old days, that might have been only B2B. I'm not going to build a consumer brand. I don't have enough cash. I don't have enough expertise. Only B2B. Only products that solve explicit problems. Only products that have X profit margin. Uh, things like that, Taylor. So I would have a really clear product rubric, and I would say no to every opportunity that presented itself that was outside of that rubric. And one other thing I would be, Taylor, is I'd be a little bit more positive. Because at the beginning, I thought I was gonna be rich right away. And when I didn't get rich right away, I was disappointed, even though 
that the right indicators were in place. You know, our, our products were working, we were profitable, we were building uh, a customer list. So part of the problem with not being positive is, you know, you can start doing things for the money. You can start going out of your way to get money and negating that farmer mentality, which is to be a good entrepreneur, you have to believe that the good, the good things that you're doing now are going to result in value and money down the road. Right. To be fair, though, I think um, back in 2007, the web landscape, at least what we were trying to do, um, like e-commerce, it was like a lot different. Uh, you would look out and you would just like see these stores and we didn't have any peers either. So we would just figure, oh, they put up a store. I have no idea how they did that and how they've gone about this process. Now it's a lot more transparent. People are talking exactly uh, about how they put up an e-commerce store and they're making $2 million a year. So, so you have more of like a, a roadmap. And so I think, um, you know, to be fair, Dan, back then it was, uh, it was easy to get discouraged and it was easy to wonder when we were going to get that money because uh, we didn't have anybody around us doing what we were doing. That's interesting. You know, you couldn't just show, show people in your life like, look at this guy. He's doing it. It was like we were really much like, oh, man, we might be totally wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, that's round one. Good job, E. Uh, time, time to peel off that track suit, buddy. Now the gloves are, are coming off. This is when it goes down. Round number two. You have five to 10K in runway and no current income. Okay, so you got 10K. Let's say you got 10K in the bank. You have a background skill of your choice, web dev, graphic design, PPC, SEO, consulting, you name it. How do you get to 2K monthly income as soon as possible? Where do you get leads? Where are you living? And how do you manage your clients? Ian, what do you want to do? You want to throw the first punch or you want, want me to come out of the gate here? I'll throw the first punch again. I'm comfortable with that. Okay, so here's what I would do, Taylor. Um, out of the gate, uh, 5 to 10K in runway. Really important, I think, there because then you can kind of choose where you want to live. Um, and you don't have to worry about the first month. You can worry on maybe the fourth or fifth month. So where I would live actually relates to um, premise number one. Uh, and one of the things that I wish I did earlier on with you, Dan, was surround ourselves with um, more than a few mentors. Uh, I would have put ourselves in the dynamite circle if I could have, because we would have just learned so much faster. So uh, I think where you can do this today is in Asia. Uh, I didn't actually have the chance to go to Chiang Mai after DCBKK, but I know about 30 people did. So I would find myself in an area like that where I really have a lot of peers and I have a lot of people um, helping me move forward. Hopefully, a lot of those people with a lot more experience than me. So I would probably go to Asia um, if I had that kind of money in the bank and I could afford to do that. Now, on to what I would do. Uh, I think that the web is moving, especially Google, uh, if you look at the front page, is moving towards a paid model. Um, the front page is covered in PPC and ads. And so I think that's really valuable, especially to e-commerce stores. So what I would do is uh, I would build out a paid traffic team that serves e-commerce customers on different platforms like BigCommerce, Shopify, WooGuys, all these guys. I would build teams and I would uh, put these guys on retainers um, and I would figure out a way to drive traffic to their sites uh, based on the tools and the tricks that I come up with. So I would essentially build a paid team traffic and serve uh, online e-commerce customers. So you'd spend all that 10K right out of the gate on your team, basically, just balling out with a team straight out, straight out the Yeah, gate. buddy. And I think I would probably develop a tool or two, too. I think um, I really like this model of uh, developing tools. 
Uh, obviously, like in terms of like products, like I'm a product guy. Uh, that's my background. I come from uh, actual physical products. Well, I'd like to start developing uh, web products too. And I think that goes a long way too, because you put up all this time up front and then uh, you get your return on the back end. I, I think you just went for a big right hook there. And if I manage to duck out, I might be able to come back in for a solid kidney blow here. So, Sorry, a little ranty ranty there. I'm getting excited about my PPC team though. All right, here, Taylor. So I know that Ian is talking way over your head there, man, because I know how you feel. You got 10K in the bank, you're scared, and the number one priority is cash flow. You can't go out there and build this fancy team and all these tools because that, that stuff's expensive. Um, um, so Ian's swinging for the fences. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to choose uh, SEO consulting, which right nowadays, that is high quality magnetic content that generates leads for uh, businesses. And people are willing to spend money on this nowadays, big money. Small businesses will spend $100,000 a year on SEO and content marketing strategy. So what I would do is find one of those companies that's spending that money and say, hey, buddy, I live in Chiang Mai. And here is my portfolio. Here's how I do this for companies specifically. Here's what I offer. My retention rate is $1,000 a month. So screw that whole um, you know, $100,000 a year budget. I do it for $1,000 a month. And I'm actually not a consultant. I'm a product guy. Here's the product. Now let me pitch you this one, Ian. It's podcasting, right? So here's the deal, small business entrepreneur. Only you are the expert in your business. But if uh, for 20 minutes a month, you can send me two 10-minute podcasts. I'm going to take those podcasts. I'm going to put them in the iTunes store. I'm going to turn them into YouTube videos. I'm going to make major press releases about them. I'm going to turn. I'm going to edit them with my team of writers and turn them into high-quality articles, which I'm not only going to publish on your website as expert articles with graphics and everything, but I'm going to syndicate those out to the web, which are going to be SEO optimized to bring in targeted leads to your mailing list, which I'm going to set up on your site. So I'm going to do all that stuff for you for 20. All you got to do is give me 20 minutes and I give you uh, uh, all that stuff that I just promised for a thousand dollars a month. Wow. That's a solid need of the body. You know what I mean? <laughs> solid dude. I, I lost my breath a little bit there. I'm still on my feet, you know, but I'm definitely not bobbing around as fast as I was. Hey, it's round three. Good news. Uh, time for you to sit, sit in the stool and uh, get some water. Uh, and and here's, here's round three. So Taylor asks, all right, both of you guys now, you've got that two to three K in income. You're living in a place where you've got a lot of peers, right? Um, and your costs are low. And this, again, this doesn't have to be Chiang Mai or whatever. You can do this in the United States too. There's a lot of places where you can live real cheap in the United States, even San Diego, we did it. Um, so you're, you're driving a crappy car, you're around your peer group, you're making two to three K. How do you scale that? Because this is the position that a lot of people are in, Ian. They've gotten that initial income. How do you take it to the next level? All right, buddy, I'm gonna let you get off the stool first because I'm still a little winded over here. All right. So what I do is I take, I've sold, uh, I have two or three clients on retention models, Ian, that um, they're actually on a subscription, a PayPal subscription. And I follow up with them, you know, every two weeks to make sure I get that t a 10 minute audio for them. Or maybe they just do it all in one go at the beginning. Um, now, so I'm doing this two or three, and I'm completely maxed out in terms of my time. So the biggest thing I want to do is figure out what's delivering the most value for those three clients. And I want to productize it further. I want to find a way to make it two or $3,000 a month. And uh, I want to make sure that it's, 
I, I'm assuming that this retention thing is really going to work. So I only, only, only want clients who are on retention. So it could be the case, Ian, between that one to three K that some of it's kind of consulting work and some of it's like time for time for money. I want to make sure, make sure that it's deliverables for money. And because once it turns from time to money into deliverables for money, I can find a way to get those deliverables produced as cheaply as humanly possible. I so love it. I so, so you're moving off the trade time for money. Exactly. And I'm focusing on, I'm looking at those three clients that are maybe quite demanding on my time. And I'm asking myself, what are the deliverables that are making the most difference? Is it the 20 article syndication of press releases? All right. Well, how much does that actually cost? Because, you know, at the beginning, it's like it costs me about as much time that I can only have three of these clients a month, right? That's kind of how beginning business freelancers think. Well, now as a business owner who wants to scale, you have to start thinking like 20 press releases cost me $250, right? Plus two hours of my management time, which I'm going to start billing for that too. So now you have a real cost structure in place. And so what you basically want to look at deliverables and cost structure. And then you want to focus on what it, where's the most value. And you're going to be able to see that pretty clearly at that time because the most value is going to correlate with your biggest profit margin. Again, so profit, profit margin isn't some historical accident, right? Profit margin is the market telling you what's valuable. So go after that. That's my, that's my answer. I went, for a right, I went for a solid jab to the chin. All right, what'd you got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like you're trying to put me in one of those arm bars too. So I'm trying to weasel out of it over here. This is MMA all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Taylor. Um, so uh, the premise, uh, I'll state it again. You now have uh, two to three monthly income. Um, and how do you scale that? So uh, how I scale that, Taylor, is I start hiring people immediately. Uh, for proving cash flow. So if I know every month that I'm going to get in two to three K, I've already established that it's not going to go away. Uh, I'm going to start hiring people. And that means that I'm going to start doing only what the entrepreneur in the situation can do. And that's grow the business. I'm not going to hire people to grow my business. I'm going to hire myself to grow my business um, because I want to scale into something much bigger than that two to three K. And if I can't put somebody on that, like if, if, if it's so valuable that I have to to do that and it only exists when I do that, then it's not, that's not good enough for me. It's never going to be big enough because I have to assume here that we're going for 10, 20, hundred K a month. So, um, you know, another way to put this is, um, really shoot for the stars. I think when you're sitting there at that two or three K level, you think, well, okay, I've achieved this goal. You know, I've found myself to be location independent and I found myself, um, to be making two to three K a month. What's next? You know, and for for me, what's next is freedom of movement and freedom of time and freedom to have new ideas and to pursue dreams. And I can't do any of that if I'm working on managing that two to three thousand dollars a month. So biggest thing for me here is to hire somebody and to get myself out of that cash flow and to have other people around me too to help me build my business because it's so lonely doing this alone. So maybe you gotta get yourself a partner. So what I'm hearing is that you are it's almost like the freelancers are, if you stay in freelancer vortex, you're building yourself a salary. Whereas what you're saying is, hey, that first $3,000 that comes through the door, that's not my salary. That's something that an entrepreneur uses to build a team and a system. And so exactly. you're back on that 10K. You're back on that 10K right away basically. Yeah. In our first couple years, you know, like we used to joke, uh, actually it wasn't that much of a joke. We used to talk about Porsches and stuff like that a lot. Um, and this is something I talked about in, in Bangkok. And, and it's like, when you get that first, uh, lump sum of money, like your initial impulse, if you're me back then was like buy a cool car. 
But your real initial in, impulse, even if it's only $2,000 a month, is to reinvest that into your company um, so you can really earn a lot of money. And uh, I think in this case, it's to hire somebody. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous too because a lot of people, you know, they have... 20k in the bank and they're looking for investment opportunities right they're looking for a mutual fund or something yeah and it's good like luck. those investors that are you know running those funds are dying to invest in a company like yours a high growth early stage company it's right under your nose so why are you going to take that two or three k and put it in your in your bank measly bank account why not take it and buy the systems buy the staff i love it that's a solid that's a solid round three i think we both need to take it to the corner and uh, <clears throat> let's talk about premise number four. And this is the fourth and final round, Ian. Taylor is looking for some insider information. He wants to know what is the best opportunity right now to rip, pivot, and jam if you're starting off right now. And I want you guys to name names. So tell me a real business. For those of you that don't know, rip, pivot, jam. It is the, and we're gonna model this round this way. You identify a successful company to rip their model off you pivot it to do something that they're not doing, serve a market they're not serving or do it better, and then you jam. You work your ass off, you deploy that cash, you build that team to get your business off the ground. All right, Ian, let's start with you, buddy. What would you rip? Well, you know, I'm just thinking like in terms of like height advantage and stuff like that. Like you're basically John Bones Jones, right? I mean, you're like, you've got <laughs> at least like six to eight inches on me, right? And I'm like the California kid here, like I'm fighting lean at like 145. So I just want to point that out to everybody. It's like, you've got a real reach advantage right now. Okay, so if I was going to rip, pivot, and jam on something, it would be the business marketplace. I would like to rip, pivot, and jam on Flippa, BizBen, uh, BizBuySell, BizQuest, all these crappy for sale business sites that don't offer crappy. a lot of transparency. I would open yeah. up a shop that really focuses on meeting buyers with customers, or I should say meeting um, sellers with buyers in a transparent way uh, so that people can actually sell their business. It's just such a crappy landscape out there. And I think, uh, I, I think nobody's really tried real hard in the past. And I like to bring up this example because this is one of my favorite websites in the world. Um, it's called uh, bringatrailer.com. It matches uh, car enthusiasts with uh, classic cars, and I think like they have some insane, insane um, ratio of of closing. I think like every car they put up there, they pretty much sell something something ridiculous like that. And it's because they're super transparent, and it's because they're doing the Lord's work, and it's because they're super focused. So um, yeah, so I'd That's focus on this business. Uh, business marketplace for the for the new age of internet entrepreneurs. You've been barking up my tree to rip off bringatrailer.com for, for ages. Yeah. For ages. I mean, the problem with that business is that it's just, it's such a business that's dependent on passion, you know? And if we weren't ready to just bleed our oil into that, you know, bleed into that business, you know, it's not going to work. You got to have a real passion. And uh, I think one of the thing about this business for sale business is that a lot of the people in our audience, they do have a passion for business. And, you know, Ian, man, before we got on this podcast, we literally had an hour-long conversation, so I'm an hour late now, um, to talking about how we can't sell one of our businesses, you know, and just how difficult it is. And, and the real conclusion that we came to, I mean, there's a lot of X factors in that conversation, but there's not a good marketplace for this stuff, uh, especially what we're doing and 
uh, what a bunch of you listeners are doing out there. There's there's not a good marketplace. And geez, I got to think, you know, there's so many business brokers out there. Like, why, why doesn't one of those guys start a transparent site? Jeez, get These on. These guys it. are tools. These guys are tools. I know it. I've talked to them. These business guys. You know, there's a whole, I, we got to have a, there's, there's like a tool bag niche of people that go for easy money. Like, where there's like low barrier to entry and a lot of easy money. So, and I don't want to call anybody out here, but I'm looking in the direction of dentists and commercial real estate guys you know what i'm saying I, okay I don't, I don't want it's an undeveloped theory i don't want to go down there too far are you trying I to say if your face is on a bus stop <laughs> is that who you're calling out those people <laughs> oh dude beat me with laughter all right i'm coming back strong okay here so here's my counter punch um one of the things i talk about often is i look at sovereignman.com um, as a huge growth space. And, and people might be rolling their eyes they've heard this from me before. But look at this guy. This blog started in 2009, Ian. That's when we started. This guy has over 100,000 email subscribers and he monetizes it to huge success by a monthly newsletter, among some other things. This, this, this business empowers Simon to go around and cut deals, to write for a living. What a dream. Sovereignman.com, 100,000 subscribers. Uh, there's obviously a, he's, he's touched a nerve. There's something out there that people want. There's international diversification. But the problem and the reason that there's an opportunity to rip this guy off is that he's focused on fat cat investors, which is not the whole marketplace. So what I would do is I would start SovereignTaxMan.com. And what I would do is globetrot. I would model everything that Simon is doing because the guy's already figured it all out, right? But what I would do is focus on strategic tax planning, which nobody is focused on. Nobody is focused on. And I'm telling you, everybody that's on Simon's list is going to get on your list too. So it's a huge opportunity. But everybody's heard me talk about that. So let me just pepper it in right before the, the time's winding down, but I'm going to get a cheap shot at it. And here it is, alphabrain.com. I want you guys to take a look at smart drugs. How many people's hands have I shook in the last six months that are making a killing off of smart drugs? Again, in, uh, uh, nine out of 10 small businesses track with the market. Well, here's a market for you. Uh, uh, cosmetic neurology, smart drugs, all this kind of stuff. It's flying through the roof and it's not niched down yet. So why not go and create an alphabrain.com for poker players and bundle it with poker training? So not only are you putting that stuff in your brain, but you're training your brain, man. So there's no way you can lose. Alphabrain.com. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that. Basically, you punched me after the bell. Broke my nose. Punched me after the bell with that one. I, I didn't think, know you were bringing up Alphabrain, man. I would have brought the heat. <laughs> All right. That was fun. Let's get moving on to just the tips. <laughs> All right, man. I want to talk about a few little productivity apps. You might have said like the days of productivity porn are gone and we're in a post-time management era and I'm hip to all that. But I am in my email inbox seeing a lot of breathlessness, you know? A lot of people, they're like, hey man, oh yeah, oh, just, oh, okay, okay, okay man, yeah, yeah, but bye. Typo, spelling error, mistake, you know? It's like, hey man, chill out, you know? It's like everybody is just, and here's what's funny to me is like I'm looking at this email, like staring at it thinking, I know I'm busier than you right now. I'm so much busier than you, and I'm taking more time to read your email than you took to write it. Hey, that's a choice, so right? That's the thing, man. All this stuff is a choice, and I think that it's a lot easier for us, Ian, to make choices in real life than it is in our inbox for whatever reason. It's like, hey, if, if, uh, 
you're going out to dinner with Harry, then you can't go out to dinner with Sally. And like, that's a consequence that you're willing to make in real life. But when it comes to your inbox, it's like, okay, Harry, okay, Sally, okay, Harry, okay, Sally. And, and it's like, everything needs to be overdone over well all the time, you know, right now. Yeah, this is a really good theme. I feel like we could we could talk about this for a while, but it's the same thing in your business, right? It's like you try to do too many things, nothing gets enough attention. Before you know it, you picked a shitty restaurant because you didn't go on Yelp and make sure it had four stars, right? You just didn't have time. The other day I saw a few bloggers complaining about the amount of emails that they get from, from people asking them for stuff. And I just thought, you know, what a decadent problem to have. You know what I mean? At the at the point when so much so many people are requesting value from you. And and I understand that that's a real frustration, a real problem, but as an entrepreneur, I think that's a that's a godsend. It really is, and it's a privilege. So what we're looking into is solutions like Zendesk in order to um, scale the value that we can provide to more people. So, you know, at the beginning when it was that classic example of, uh, you know, at the, at the Tropical MBA, it was like, how many people here have received a personal reply from me? Like everybody raised their hands. Yeah, don't stop sending me emails, man. Jeez. You got to get back to people, right? But you also got to make that scale. And I think there's ways to do that. So uh, we were talking strategically about how to do that. But one of the, there's a couple specific things that I'm doing um, to have a, a solid, purposeful approach to inbox life. And one is Mac Freedom. So uh, last night, Ian, I spent about three or four hours writing the book. And I had a, about 85 emails. So after I went through my inbox to get everything easy out of there, I had about 85 emails in there that need responses. And to some degree, at some point in time, like it wasn't like I couldn't just not respond to them, right? And instead of uh, responding to everybody, I just nuked myself off of the internet for four hours and wrote my book. And that's, what I would, that's an ascetic decision. You know, you have to choose to deny yourself certain things in order to get other things in life. Always. You're always doing it whether you're conscious of it or not. And Mac Freedom is the program that helps me to do that. It's a $10 program. And basically, like, unless you're some, uh, you know, super computer hacker, you just cannot get on the internet. So you can literally, like, nuke yourself off the internet for four hours, which I think is necessary. And that's what I did. That's what I did. Um, and so the other thing is, like, when I go to my inbox, you know, is I try not to have too much complexity in there. I keep it real simple and I only use three tools and here they are. Boomerang. Boomerang for Gmail allows me to what used to be the at reply folder. So basically at follow up. So if I send an email to Taylor saying, hey, Taylor, could you please get me some information about this? I can set it in Boomerang to remind me in two days if he doesn't get back to me. So that's pretty critical, especially like for customer service kind of stuff. Um, also for customer service stuff, if I want to follow up with a customer in two weeks, put that in the boomerang. The second tool I use is Gmail. Obviously, we use Google Apps. And the third tool I use is a white piece of paper. Like now, with a pen? With a, it's, it's, oftentimes, it's a company with a pen. Wow. Or a pencil. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Lifehacker's gotten hip to this. I don't know if they've, they've written <laughs> about this yet. But uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the whole thing is keep it simple and make these... Um, I think get good at making these ascetic decisions and uh, Mac Freedom is something that's really been helping me. Awesome. All right, Ian, I got a question for you. Do you like the Jackson 5? Yeah, they're all right. Do you like Billy Joel? Huge fan. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> you wouldn't be an American if you weren't. Well, how do you feel about Jackson 5 plus Billy Joel? That's yeah, what we I got feel pretty good about that. Yeah, that's a pretty smashing combination. Yeah. Yeah, it's like peaches and cream, man. It's like, it's like Dan and Ian, peaches and cream. Uh, coconuts and palm trees yeah. it's all good alright well hey if you guys get any ideas about how our throwdown won 
who you think the winner was and who you think the next challenger should be, go ahead, check it out, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Hop on the mailing list while you're there. We'll see you guys next Thursday morning. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. I never get drunk anymore, and Alyssa would be like, "Bullshit! I you saw you drunk last, last week." <laughs> I'm calling you not on no health kick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that guy. <laughs>